This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. we got a lot to get to today. You guys going to dive into Nelson Cruz here in a minute. Um, but we got Randy Johnson coming up a little bit after that. Covers Gophers football for the Star Tribune. He is in Indianapolis for Big Ten Media Day. Talked to a lot of Gophers players. Talked to head coach P.J. Fleck. Um, they kind of made the rounds with all the other teams and all the other big stories with college football. So looking forward to that conversation with Randy Johnson here in a little bit. And we'll get to the Wild as well. The uh, NHL draft first round is Friday night. The Wild have two first round picks, number 21 and 25, uh, more or less. It's officially 22 and 26, but Arizona forfeiting their pick moves everybody up the board one pick. So we'll see what the Wild are able to do with that. You know, NHL players don't generally jump into the lineup right away, but, uh, you know, guys that could be helpful in a year or two at the very very earliest anyway. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. But first, what did I miss? Going to spend a lot of time on Nelson Cruz, the Twins slugger traded on Thursday for a couple of prospects to Tampa Bay. And, you know, I got a lot of thoughts about this. First off, I don't know if a guy who is only here for 258 games, you know, a full season, a shortened season, and then part of this one can really have an era, but it sure feels like this is, if there was a Nelson Cruz era, if there was an era that defined kind of this part of the Twins, this is, this kind of brings some closure to it, doesn't it, in, in a weird way and kind of a sad way. Um, you know, you had the Bomba squad of 2019. Nelson Cruz was a huge part of that. Now, tons of guys had a lot of home runs. But he hit 41 that year, kind of led the charge, was a centerpiece of that team. And I remember two things from that season completely stand out to me. One was being at Target Field for the opener that year. It was a, it was a pitcher's duel, but even just seeing Nelson Cruz for the first time in the middle of that lineup, you know, I wasn't there for spring training, wasn't down in Florida for any of that, but just seeing him, you know, take 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 his at bats, get up to the plate, even just seeing his name in the lineup and how it transformed everyone around him, takes the pressure off so many different players in that lineup. And you got someone like Nelson Cruz in the middle of that order, you kind of know what to expect from him. You know he's going to give you good at bats. You know he's going to hit the ball over the fence. You know he's going to do all sorts of Nelson Cruz things just makes things so much easier. And it just looked like you looked at that lineup and you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm not going to predict 307 home runs, which is what they did. But it, it's it certainly looked like an offense that made a lot more sense with him in the lineup, even though it had been a good offense in years past. And that certainly came to pass in 2019. Now, the other thing I remember, I go on a baseball road trip with my friends um, pretty much every year. Now, we've had some interruptions, obviously, from COVID in 2020. And again, this year, um, we had an abbreviated get-together this year at the very least, but uh, 2019 was the last real official baseball road trip. It was the 20 year, 20th one we had done in a row. This trip took us to Chicago for four straight Twins-White Sox games. It's late July. Twins are really starting to falter. They're, uh, they're, falling, uh, they're falling back in the race. Uh, you know, Some bullpen problems, some other things plaguing them. They get to Chicago kind of teetering a little bit. They get to that first game against the White Sox on Thursday. I'll never forget. Nelson Cruz comes to the plate, bottom of the first inning, hits an absolute moonshot home run, I believe off of Lucas Giolito. First of three home runs that he would hit in that game and just absolutely dominated that game, willed the Twins to victory in that game, just shook the offense completely to life, made sure they were not going to lose that game. 
And again, there were some tenuous moments the rest of that season, but that game stood out to me as a defining moment. And what Nelson Cruz did in that game, because uh, kind of you know wasn't wasn't so much a get on my back moment. It was just a hey. I'm still here. We're still here. I'm going to hit these home runs, and let's see where we can go. And they ended up winning the division with 101 victories. Now, all that said, it was time. Uh, th- this was inevitable, right? This season didn't go anywhere according to plan. Nelson Cruz still having a good year. Last year of his contract, um, you know, 41 years old, still a very productive player, a guy that a lot of different people could use. And so you looked at it, and intellectually, you just looked at it, and you said, a Nelson Cruz trade absolutely makes sense for all parties involved. That doesn't mean it's not sad, doesn't mean it's not disappointing for fans. It just means that it was kind of one of those things where even if you didn't like it, you knew that it was inevitable. And if, you know, if it was inevitable, you were hoping the Twins would do as well as possible as they could in the trade. And that was the sentiment I got from a lot of you on Twitter. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll read a few of the tweets I asked, you know, how are we feeling about this trade? Here's a few of your tweets right now. Let's run through a few of them now. Samuel says, was expecting it, but still going to miss him. I'm a Rays fan as of July 2021 through October 2021. Crying emoji. Um, David said, inevitable. Hopefully the players they've signed acquired. Uh, so hopefully the players they've acquired have some value. We'll get to that in a minute. Steve says it was inevitable. We, and we got a pitcher who now ranks sixth in our farm system, astute. For a 41-year-old soon-to-be free agent, can't be mad in the slightest degree. I think the haul was very good, and again, we'll get to that a little bit more in a little bit. Tim says, it stinks that his run with the club ended without contending, but excited that the team got some quality players back. He could have just left via free agency before this season. That is true. Stains of concern, inevitable. The almost 13-year-old is crushed, but as a good father, I have prepared him. Uh, Tyanne says, knew it was coming, still stinks, though. He went to a good team, happy for him, got a better return than I thought. So a lot of these very similar, you know, people upset and sad, understanding, though, that this was the right thing to do. Um, And so, you know, I think this is, a you know, all around, even if you're disappointed as a Twins fan, even if you're, you know, upset about what the, you know, what's been lost in this community. I want to read one more, actually. Stephen Baker significant loss for this community we don't often get great role models in pro sports around here this on top of losing parisi Suter, and rudolph adds to a lot of good guys gone and you can't you can't overstate that people go to the games to see players they like to see players who are good nelson cruz certainly likable a lot of things to like about him and uh you know that that piece of it can't be forgotten but you know, I I thought he was I thought he was done for about six weeks ago, and then he he went on a tear. I, you can doubt him at your own peril, even at age forty one. It's good for him though. Gets to go to Tampa Bay, a contending team. It's smart by the Twins. It shows veterans that they'll move them to better situations, and it shows that the front office isn't going to get overly emotional about decisions, even if there is emotion involved. And I think there was a little bit of that sentiment in the quote from Rocco Baldelli after the Twins lost 3-2 to to the Angels, not long after finding out that Nelson Cruz had been traded. Well, the feeling, you know, our guys... Um we're certainly able to prepare for the game and, and we're ready to play, but it's, it's impossible to not also, you know, acknowledge and know, you know, that we just lost, um, a member of our, our team who has been about as important to this organization and to our group as, as any player has ever been to an organization that I've been around that I've seen. So, um, that was, uh, you know, difficult and we all grow and we all, 
uh, you know, the game always goes on and everything like that, but we have an incredible number of memories, um, with Nelson. I think there were a lot of very heartfelt words, um, from him, from other people to him. Uh, I think everyone wanted to take the opportunity to, uh, let him know how much he has meant to them, uh, individually. And like I said, to this organization as well, you, you can't have more of an impact on a team than Nelson Cruz has had here. Now, for his part, Cruz had this to say. It was shocking. I don't even think when you're expecting something like this, you can prepare for this. It hit me when they told me, and it hit me when I went into the locker room to see my teammates. That's when it really hit me. It was emotional. And I I, I imagine that's the case. I mean, he came here late in his career. He won two division titles, did not win a single playoff game, but that wasn't his fault. He was often their most productive hitter in those playoff games. Their one, you know, one consistent threat in that lineup that didn't uh, that didn't kind of wilt in the pressure of the moment. You know, he he was everything they could have asked for here and more. That said, like I said, I think they got a tremendous haul. I think they really did. If you look at what they got. Um, for a guy who you know is basically a rental, he's he's going to Tampa Bay for two months, then the end of his contract, and who knows how much longer a 41 year old is going to play, even as well as he has played this year. They get two guys who have pitched in AAA this year and pitched pretty well: Joe Ryan and Drew Strotman. Ryan looks like the slightly better prospect. He was ranked number 13 in Tampa Bay's system. Uh, he's in Tokyo with Team USA right now, by the way. 25 years old, just turned 25. Had a 3.63 ERA, 75 strikeouts, and 57 innings in AAA this season. Walks and hits to innings pitched of just .79. It's pretty stingy. Looks like he's got good stuff. He's had, he's had good strikeout numbers all throughout his minor league career. Um, those are good numbers, peripheral and otherwise. I'm kind of excited to see what he can do. Strotman similarly turns 25 in a couple months. His numbers this year pretty similar to Ryan in terms of ERA. Fewer strikeouts a little bit, a little bit more walks, but plenty of upside there as well. Both of them right-handers. You know, 25 years old is not over the hill for AAA. They seem like they're kind of knocking on the door and could get a chance. Now, Ryan was the number 10 prospect in the Rays organization. Strotman was number t- number 17 according to MLB.com. Now, after the trade, interestingly, they were slotted in as number 6 and number 13 in the Twins prospect chart. Maybe that's a nod to, you know, the relative depth, you suppose, of those two organizations. You know, kind of shows the lack of quality arms, quality players maybe relative to Tampa Bay. At least Tampa Bay is thought to have a very good farm system, by the way. They, they, they're they constantly restocking, constantly relying on you know, those lower you know, lower uh, salaried players to, to carry them through in the low budget times. But, uh, you know, getting two pitchers from Tampa Bay, a team that is, is thought of very highly in their development of pitchers, you know, A, you, you worry a little bit that Tampa Bay was willing to part with them because maybe they, you know, know something and don't don't see that, that as much upside as you might like. But, you know, getting two, two prospects, even that were in the top 20 of Tampa Bay's system, one of whom was top 10, who now slide into the top 15 of the Twins chart, that's pretty good. I would expect to see these guys at some point this year, maybe. I mean, these guys are in AAA. They're 25. There's possibly going to be some rotation holes. I mean, even if there aren't, um, you can make rotation holes because this rotation has not been great this year. But you can imagine Jay Happ getting traded before the deadline. You can imagine Michael Pineda getting traded before the deadline. I mean, this Nelson Cruz deal is probably just the first of three or four, you would imagine, even if there's not the blockbuster, you know, Jose Barrios deal, um, which could still happen, by the way. But even if there's not, there's some peripheral moves that could open up some rotation spots. And uh, I'd be interested to see if these guys are going to get a shot this year, you know, even, you know, August, September, to see what they can do 
especially you know uh, Ryan once the Olympics are done, once that's all finished up. So we'll see you know kind of what's in store for them how much did you know how much the twins want to pitch these guys i know that there's this concern about minor league guys who missed last season with the covid and and not having minor league seasons but i'd be curious if they want to get a look at these guys in in the big league uniform see what they've got because they could be potential answers going forward or at least guys you want to get a look at and know what you're dealing with along with some of your other prospects so you know, bottom line, I think it's a sad day for Twins fans, but if you get past the emotion of it, if you can kind of separate yourself from the feeling of Nelson Cruz, I think the Twins did awfully well in this trade. I don't think you could ask for a whole lot more than two, you know, close to ready arms that you can find out about sooner rather than later and, uh, you know, see where they go from here. So I'll be interested to see if they can do as well with some of these other moves. It could give you a little bit more hope for a quicker turnaround uh, than, than things look like they're going right now. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Happy to have on Daily Delivery today, Randy Johnson does a great job covering gopher football for the Star Tribune, among other things. He is in Indianapolis, Big Ten football media day. That tells you we're getting closer to the season, getting closer to the start of, you know, uh, training camp, as it were, for the Gophers. Expectations reasonably high, I think, for this year's team based on the the depth they have, the the, the age and experience of some of their players. Um, but Randy, first off, uh, thanks for jumping on. And what uh, – you know, as, as you, you know, as the Gophers talked Thursday um, at Media Day, what, you know, were there any themes that you saw emerging, um, you know, whether it's related to them specifically or, you know, the Big Ten or college football as a whole? You know, it was uh, not not just Gophers, but every, everybody that all the seven uh, coaches that, that spoke today um, and the other seven will go tomorrow. And I'm sure we'll hear a lot of the same, but just, you know, the happiness to be there after a year of hiatus. They didn't have this event uh, last year. They moved it from Chicago to Indy this year, that Lucas oil stadium, um, you know, nice big um, spread out type of thing. Um, yeah. You know, and instead of like the usual, just happy to be there. It, it seemed like there was, you know, a lot of sincerity to behind the words and everything. An- another uh, probably the, the most interesting stuff from the day was uh, just the reaction to um, uh, the, newfound freedom that college athletes have now with name image and likeness and, and how things are proceeding forward with that. Uh, it, it was a, it was a pretty good talker among the, among the players, among the coaches and, you know, they're all for it. Obviously the you know, players, you know, don't mind having a little more money in their pocket if they can. And it's interesting to see some, some, what some of them are doing, how they're handling it. Um, I see today that uh, go over running back Mo, Mo Ibrahim um, has, uh, has joined the, uh, uh, Blake Barrett's agency in, in town. So, you know, they're, they're, it's proceeding with some of those. Tanner Morgan's already been uh, doing some cameo stuff. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it was an interesting uh, uh, thing there. One of the uh, kind of a funnier um, anecdote was uh, uh, somebody was asking PJ Fleck, uh, where, um, like, if you would have had a chance to make some, yeah. you know, after your name and image back when you're at Northern Illinois, uh, what, where would you have done? And he goes, well, there's, there's a bar girl called fatties that, you know, that would have been, uh, that was that, but you know, NCAA, but I frowned on that. And he's, he 
mentioned his um, love of archi architecture in the Sears Tower. And then in DeKalb, he uh, mentioned uh, John Deere tractors. So <laughs> and that somehow he would, would have paired uh, Sears and John Deere. Nice. Well, uh, it's a cool thing for players. I'm sure it's, it's, they're still sorting out kind of what it all means. Um, but it sounds like it's, it's gotta be a, I'm sure as they figure that out, that's gotta be a, a big thing for them to, to kind of talk about and, and, and figure out how they, how they make money off of, you know, just who they are and what they represent yeah. as athletes. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting, you know, how they can, you know, just partner with, um, uh, different companies, um, and then, one of the Nebraska players, I forget which one, um, was saying that this, this is going to be big in Nebraska. We don't have an NFL team. We don't have, you know, anything, you know, we're, we're, we're the big team in town. So, you know, I think it's going to be pretty, he thought it'd be pretty important for them. Um, they'd be pretty prominent, um, on, on things like that. Um, yeah, another, another side of it was, um, a Michigan defensive end, Aiden Hutchinson. Um, he was talking about it. Uh, he, he went into it, uh, pretty, pretty gung ho and everything, you know, pretty, um, wanted to learn a lot about it and, you know, got involved in, in, in some things. And then after a while, he said, it just got a little bit old. It got a little bit overwhelming. So he's got his parents handling it. Uh, you know, this is his, his mom, uh, uh, you know, she's always uh, marketing him anyway, so she can handle it and doesn't have to deal with the uh, uh, mundane part of it, I guess. Coaches hate the dreaded distractions. So I'm sure it's going to be kind of a, a push pull yes. there. Um, and they, you know, I think one interesting thing is I don't know how much they can restrict athletes, social media use anymore. If that's a vehicle for them, uh, to be making money. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a, a, a thing to look at. Um, yeah. And, and most of them, you know, the, most of the coaches did, you know, they they were all for this. They weren't, um, really yeah. a whole lot about distractions yet. You know, they want to educate their players. Um, you know, uh, PJ Fleck was stressing that quite a bit saying, yeah, you know, they got to realize too. Now, along with this money comes taxes. You have to have to pay taxes on these earnings, you know, things like that. There, there's stuff that uh, you want to have covered and you, you want them to know and not to enter into something that uh, might come by, back to bite them. Just get paid in Venmo and don't write what, write, don't write it what it was in the transaction field. Um, so a, a bigger thing, I think, you know, on the field, I think we'll get into some stuff of, you know, what the Gophers might look like on the field here in a little bit, but I, I feel like one of the themes must have also been still the, you know, a, a year later feeling like it, the, the season will still be touched by COVID in, in a lot of ways. We're talking about vaccinations. We're talking about fans, hopefully, you know, in the stands at full capacity, like we've seen at a lot of these other sporting events, but you know, what's the kind of the mood with, you know, how they're approaching that, you know, as a league and specifically with PJ Fleck and the Gophers? Well, I think, you know, across the league, it's in cross college football, it's fingers crossed. Uh, you know, coaches have been encouraging players to get vaccinated all throughout the country. That That's, that's, uh, and like PJ was, uh, he didn't have a specific, didn't reveal a specific number of who has been vaccinated, but he said it was highly significant percentage um and basics and that it's growing each day um so it, he you know he emphasized too that well the players do know the repercussions if, if you do get sick it, and it, it's you know, they went through it last year and the big 10 hasn't determined yet if uh they will uh, reschedule games if if all of a sudden a team or two hasn't done have enough players other conferences have said now the nfl also basically saying that, uh, hey, you know, you're on your own. You, you'll forfeit 
if you can't if you can't field the team. I think the uh, the Big Ten is still, according to Commissioner Kevin Warren, is still investigating that. You know, re- having each team report, and then they'll make a determination closer to uh, the start of the season. Yeah, I imagine though it'll be it's a different different thing to navigate. A lot, you know, a lot more positives in terms of navigating that than there were last year. You again, you know, having fans in the stands, um, you know, Gophers, Ohio State to kick off the season. That's not, you know, much more than a little over a month away now, right? I mean, so yeah. um, that, uh, you know, that that should be a lot of fun. Um, on the field, um, now you had but Tanner Morgan, Mo Ibrahim, and Boy Mafe, were those the Gopher player representatives yes. today? Yes, yes, they were. They were those, um, those three. What, uh, oh, there's plenty to get to with all three of those guys, but obviously it probably wasn't just local media asking that. What what are the what what are the kind of things that they're getting asked? What do you what do you get the sense of of people's kind of thoughts and opinions of the Gophers based on you know some of how how those dialogues go, how those interviews went with those guys? Yeah, you know, I, I, from the from the people from uh, other media markets, I, I got a lot of uh, would say they're curious about Tanner Morgan and the, if he can have a bounce back season. And they're really curious about him facing Ohio State and the Gophers playing an Ohio State team that's breaking in a quarterback um, to start the season. So it, it's they're they're you know kind of seeing okay what uh, what can we expect out of, out of the Gophers? Will they have an offense that can put up some points against Ohio State? Um, other uh, themes were looking at uh, uh, Mo Ibrahim, the Big Ten running back of the year. Um, you know our. Well, the Gophers have to rely on him as much as they did last year. Uh, you know, he rushed for over a thousand yards in seven games. You know, averaged over 150 a, pot, a game. So, yeah, it, it's. Um, I think people are, are, are curious to see. They see that opening game against um, uh, Ohio State, and you know, there there's some interesting opening games this this year. Uh, Penn State and Wisconsin meet meet in the opener. Uh, you know, so that first week's gonna be fun. We're going to find out a lot about those teams right away. It doesn't define your season, but yeah, that's a, it's not like you're playing no offense, but it's not like you're playing, you know, Appalachian state or middle Tennessee state. You're not playing a, you're playing Ohio state. That's a little different. It's a different state school than uh, some yeah. of those other ones you might, uh, you might typically face in a non-conference setting. Um, PJ is not saying they're young this year. Are they? I hope he's not. He is not. He has not said that. And then um, he, he, he received a question uh, from one of the local reporters about you, you, you probably have the, the oldest team in the country this year. So yeah, they're, they're very set at, uh, you know, you look at that offensive line, they return seven or eight guys, maybe even nine who have, who've started games, but, it, but their main, they have a, a main six or seven there. That's uh, had seen, extensive uh time so that's they, they should be able to hang their head on that that's going to be going to be a key uh you got a guy like daniel falele returning um uh pj was saying that he's down to about 380 looking really good um so that'll be a big help and yeah, they've got like fifth year guys sixth year guys don't they even have like a couple seventh year guys they, because uh, of the Br- way things Br- broke down bryce with, bryce with them tight end is a seventh year guy I, i'm Imagine there's a medical redshirt in there, and I, I believe Micah Duch Redway, also the Notre Dame transfer. Um, uh, so yeah, it's COVID and uh, transfers and medical things add up to, you know, and you know it's it's not like you know seven years of college down down the drain you might as well join join the Peace Corps, you know that type of thing. It's uh, 
Are they arbitration eligible or at least restricted free agents at this point? I mean, yeah. you, you would think so. <laughs> they might have a they have a, might have a more experienced offensive line than the Vikings. They might be just as old as the Vikings offensive line when you start. Yeah, that. I look into that. That that'd be a nice little nice little chart. Because uh, yeah, I mean, probably probably an exaggeration, but it's probably not that far off based on no. the the youth of uh, some of those Vikings players. What about uh, Randy Johnson enjoying this conversation about the Gophers? What's uh what was some of the other kind of league talk? Who are the other, what else did you visit while you were there uh, Thursday? Oh, uh, you know, there was talk about the, the, the on, 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 um, ongoing debate on expansion of the college football playoff. Um, it, uh, Kevin Warren kind of, you know, didn't say a whole lot about it, but you know, they'll, they'll be exploring it. Um, uh, past Fitzgerald for one Northwestern's coach very much in favor of that. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, you know, here's a team that, you know, two of the past three years, they've won the won the Big Ten West and then lost in the Big Ten title game to Ohio State. And right now, but the only way to get, it seems, the only way to get to the college football playoff is winning the Big Ten championship game. Now, if it expands to 12, maybe there's room for a, a runner-up or a division champ or, or, or a runner-up or, say, yeah. a second team that is a non-division champ that has, a say, a 12-1 and record, something like that. That's got to be attractive to a team like the Gophers, I'd imagine, just because yes. it, it's hard to imagine, you know, even in their best year, the Gophers going, you know, being one of the four best teams in the country. Like, you know, two years ago, it was not out of the question that they could have gotten to, you know, gotten to that game at least. And, you know, they would have had a, a chance at least. But you could see them being a top 12 team if, in the yeah, right year, yeah. a lot easier than a top four team. It's just, it's oh, just yeah. math, but it's also just where these programs are at. I think it gives... I think it gives 30 teams more of a chance to pl- make a playoff than, than, than just 12 and just, than just eight more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you look at it, uh, you know, a program like Michigan, as proud as they are, they've, they've yet to, to make the college football playoff. You, you would, you would have thought by now that that might've been one that would somehow get there, but they haven't been able to get past Ohio state under Har- Harbaugh. And obviously that was brought up today in, 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 the, in his press conference too. So, yep. So what's the uh, last thing for you, Randy, what's next steps? What's the kind of the calendar looking like and what were some of the things we should be kind of on the lookout for as they get ready for camp and, and get ready to start up here? Yeah. Camp will, will be starting early August. I don't have the exact date yeah. yet. It's about a couple of weeks out. Yeah. 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 A week and a half or so. Yeah. Um, well, tomorrow is the, is the second half of the big 10, uh, the right. two of the teams of interest uh, in the media days going are, are Wisconsin and Iowa tomorrow. Two, two teams that have you know been the roadblock to the Gophers yeah. to, to that uh, Big Ten title game. Um, yeah, then yeah, once once we uh, once we get into camp, and then it's like uh, kind of uh, see see where they come where the team comes together. You know, obviously they're 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 very experienced on offense. Should be a pretty good offense defense. Uh, it's more of a work in progress. I, I don't think it'll be it will have the struggles they did, especially early last year, but. Uh, and he seems to have, uh, PJ seemed to have filled some nice holes with some transfers. Um, so that, yeah, that, that'll be intriguing. I think they'll be healthier in that, in that, on that end too. Sounds good, Randy. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more once the camp gets going and the season gets going. Thanks for joining me today from Indy. Follow all, follow all of Randy's work, Star Tribune, startribune.com. Follow him on Twitter at RJ Strib. Is that your Twitter yep, handle? RJ Strib. Yep. And uh, yeah, thanks for Andy. We'll catch you again uh, down the road. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mike. Talk to you later. 
Excellent stuff from Randy. Love catching up with him. He's uh, back on the Gopher football beat this season. He's done a great job of it in past years as well. I'm kind of excited about this season. Um, you know, I admit within the COVID season, I, I didn't pay as much attention to the Gophers and, and even, you know, other sports as I might normally. Just a lot of other things on my mind, even though that's my profession, even though I paid to do that and, and did that a lot still. Maybe wasn't as invested in some things as I would have been. So looking forward to kind of seeing where this team is at in 2021 because it sure sounds like there could be some uh, some good things coming for them this season. Let's end with the cooler. NHL draft starts Friday night. Wild has two first-round picks, only the second time in their organizational history that they've had two first-round picks, the second one coming from Pittsburgh via the Jason Zucker trade uh, from a couple years back. So an opportunity here uh, for Bill Guerin. They've got uh, five picks in the top three rounds. They also have an extra third-round pick this season. You know, an opportunity. We, we Again, like I said at the outset of the show, you don't, you know, it's not like the NBA where these guys get drafted and often, you know, come in necessarily right away. Might take a little while for, you know, a first-round pick to, to get a little bit of seasoning. You know, some of them might stay in college. Some of them might stay at the amateurs for a little while before they turn pro. That's fine. That said, you know, these are the guys they're going to have to be replacing Zach Parisi, Ryan Suter, they're going to have to be their low-cost replacements. To, you know, while these, while the salary cap is, you know, just obliterated in a few years, you know, and then they're carrying 15% cap charges for two guys that aren't on the roster anymore. They're going to be relying on a lot of these guys on entry-level contracts. So the moves they make right now, the draft picks they make right now, are going to be essential in 2023, 2024, things like that. So. It's it's important to pay attention. Drafts are always important, especially when you have an extra first-round pick. We'll see what they're able to do, if they want to package those picks, if they want to move down and add more picks, if they want to package one for a player. Um, a lot of flexibility, a lot of possibilities for them right now. So Bill Guerin on the clock pretty soon. It's been a pretty interesting tenure for him so far. He had a lot of mess to clean up. Inherited some good players, but he had inherited a lot of mess that he's got to clean up. This is just the beginning of building the foundation of this team for future years ahead. Thanks for joining me on this Friday Daily Delivery so much. We'll be back at it Monday. Got some good stuff coming up next week. I'm sure I'll talk to Patrick Royce. Hoping to get our Olympics riders from Tokyo. Maybe some Vikings talk with camp opening up there. Uh, I'll have our intern, Christina Long, on next week. And by the way, I'm going to turn the show over to her for a couple days at some point in August. So uh, look forward to that as well. Be nice to her uh, when uh, when she's taking the reins of this show. We'll be back at it Monday. Thanks for listening. 